Acts chapter 10. We saw last week how that the Lord had brought a man named Cornelius who lived in a place called Caesarea. And Peter was staying with a man named Simon in a place called Joppa. And the Lord revealed to Cornelius to send to Joppa and bring Peter to where they were at to preach the gospel. It's amazing how the Lord brought those two men together. This man, uh, Cornelius, he was, he was like most Jews, but he believed like Abraham did. He believed God, and it was accounted unto him to righteousness. Now, he had not heard how that Christ had risen from the dead. He hadn't heard these things. You know, it's like Abraham. He looked ahead to those things, and that's what this, this is where this man was at. He feared God, and he worshiped according to the law. He prayed and those things. But the Lord's going to send him the gospel. He's a centurion. He's a Roman general. One of the most unlikeliest you would have ever could thought that God would have showed grace to. But he's going to take the gospel into the whole world. He's going to take the gospel to these people that had never heard before. Most had lived in darkness all their life in, in paganism, worshiping idols. And God is going to be pleased to reveal unto them his grace, and his mercy. We'll begin in verse 33. And Peter is saying, after when he was sent for, he said, immediately, therefore, I sent to thee. And thou, I mean, or Cornelius is saying, immediately, therefore, after God spoke to him, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God. We are all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. God had commanded his servants to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And Cornelius said that we're here to hear. We're gathered here this evening, or they were gathered here that day to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. What they're saying is we, we were here to hear the God speak. And we know if he's going to speak, he's going to speak through Peter. And you think about Peter, the old fisherman, old Peter, always outspoken, old Peter, always seemed like getting his foot in his mouth. But God told him, he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And it's probably been 10 years since the day of Pentecost when Peter first preached and 3,000 souls were saved and the Lord's still not done with him. He's going to use Peter, that man, to preach to these people who for the first time in their life have never heard the gospel. They're excited about hearing. We know back in verse, I think it's 24, and then called he them in and lodged, and on the morrow Peter went away with them, and certain brethren, I'm sorry, down in verse 24, and the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and he called together his kinsmen and near friends. He called them, he said, I want you all to come hear this man. He'll be here in a few days. 
I want you. I want. I want you to listen. This this man has something to say, and we need to hear it. He knew something. He knew if God was going to speak, it's how God was going to speak. You imagine being in their shoes. It's so excited. What? What? I could hear little kids asking their parents, well, "What are we going to hear, Mama? What are we going to hear, Daddy? I don't know, but I can't wait." Because Cornelius said, we need to hear this. This man believed. This man believed. And what Peter's going to preach, he's not going to change his message. He didn't preach one thing to the Jews and something else to the Gentiles. But what did, I want to point out four things. What did Peter find when he came here and seen all these people assembled together? Well, first... He found a man named Cornelius who was truly, he was truly concerned for the souls of men. You know, we can learn a lot from this book. We see how God blessed. We see what God used and how he used people. And he does use people. He used Peter. He used his instruments. Now, we know it's all of God that no flesh glory in his sight. But he used this man, Cornelius. He was concerned for other people, and he invited them to come. And don't you know, he was excited that they came. He was excited to see. He was excited to hear. And if any man's ever heard, they're concerned about other people hearing. I wish my family, all my family, had a desire to hear. A concern. A concern. Someone said he put forth a lot of effort, time, and even probably even even money expenses to get these people under the sound of the gospel. And I've probably shared it with you, but I'll share it again. I remember I heard Don say one time, one of the first times he ever went to Pikeville to preach. And, you know, they had men would meet downstairs before the service and pray and when they were coming up the steps, it, most of y'all that's been to Pike, well, it's a pretty good-sized building. The place was full. This is on a Wednesday night in the middle of the week, you know, which is odd. It's not a Bible conference. And I thought, well, what in the world is happening? Well, I'm glad to see them, but something's happened. And come to find out there was a man who, who went to that church who owned a business. Must have been a successful business, had several people working for him, and he told them, he wanted them to hear the gospel so bad, he said, if you'll come to church with me Wednesday night, he said, I'll give you a day's pay. You know, most people would disagree with that, but that man believed. He said, he said it's worth a day's pay to me to get you to come hear the gospel. And they came. And I hope they heard. I hope they heard. I can, I can imagine when Peter walked in, he went, I never expected this. Lord never really told him what to expect. He said, you just go to Cornelius and you tell him what I'm going to tell you to say. And he walks in and wherever it was, there was probably a lot of people. He said his, his near friends and his kin people. And they were there. And this is what he found. He, were, he, he found men and women who were gathered in the appointed place, at the appointed time. 
And they come expecting to hear. Do we come expecting to hear? You know, what we're doing is actually very solemn, isn't it? That God would choose to speak through a frail man of flesh, of sin. And God, please speak. He said, for two or three are gathered together in my name. I'm in the midst of them. And they come expecting God to speak. They said, we're here, we're here gathered, we're gathered here. And every time I hear the word gather or read the word gathered, I think about we don't gather ourselves. He said, for two or three are gathered in my name. As a hen doth gather her little biddies under her wings, our Lord gathers his people together. He had brought these people here. Then he also found a group of people who couldn't wait to hear. Nothing was more important to them than being right here at that time. And they couldn't wait. And when they heard, they didn't try to change the message to fit their thinking. Their thoughts were molded by what God said. And then Peter found people who were determined to obey what they heard. Because we know we'll read on as we get into on down in the chapter after Peter spoke. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter said, can any man hinder these people from being baptized? You know what baptism is? It's an act of obedience. It's an act of confession. And they obeyed. Then verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, I bet you could have heard a pin drop. I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Don't you think a lot of the Jews thought that God was a respecter of persons, that, you know, he, he had chose Israel. And he left those alone. And, but they thought it, they merited something. And now he sees that God is no respecter of person. None of those things matter with God. It's not black nor white. It's not male nor female. It's not Jew nor Gentile. He shows mercy to whom he will show mercy. He gives his grace to whomever he will. I've never spoken to Gentiles before. I could hear him think or see him think. I've never spoke to men like this before. And they're here. And they're just like the Jews. They're just like any other sinners. They're just sinners. <laughs> Earthly conditions, outward circumstances have nothing to do in God's eyes. It's not, not many wise men, not many noble are called. There is nothing in us that we have done or shall do that would ever cause God just show us mercy. And no matter how sinful a person is, they may think God would never show me mercy. That doesn't enter the picture. 
seems like a lot of times one of the worst of the bunch of the very ones he shows mercy to. Things that we would say that would distinguish one man from another, God don't look at them distinctions. They don't enter in. That's what he's saying. I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Colossians 3.11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision, uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. I hadn't thought about it <clears throat> to now what I just read in, in 1 Corinthians 1. Some says I'm of a Paul. I like Paul's preaching. I like uh, Peter's preaching. I like someone else's preaching. Someone said, well, I just like Christ. <laughs> See, they were looking at, they were looking at, those, all those men were different. They had different characteristics. They spoke differently. They had different mannerisms. But those things didn't matter. They were just men that God had used. And Paul said, he talked about didn't baptize any, you know, or he said there may be a few that I remember that are baptized. He said, but it doesn't really matter. God didn't send me to baptize. He sent me to preach. Because if anybody had been baptized by Paul, they'd say, look at me. Who baptized you, Danny? <laughs> you, you was baptized by who? Paul or Peter? Oh, my goodness. That carries no merit. That's nothing. But see how men look at these distinctions. He said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Because if he did, he surely wouldn't have chose us. He would have never have called us. God's going to show mercy to these people in Caesarea. He said he's no respecter of persons. Verse 35, but in every nation, every nation, Kindred, tongue, tribe, and nation, he that feareth God and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Now, we read that verse, and we think that it reads works, that the reason he accepts someone, but, but in every nation, he, if he fears God and works righteousness, God will accept him. No, he is accepted, and because he is accepted in God's sight, he does fear God. And God does work righteousness through that person. And they are accepted. How are we accepted? We tried to preach Sunday. We are accepted in the blood by what Christ has done. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Cornelius feared God. And in some slavish fear, he feared him. He gathered those people together there because he feared him. He feared him. It's an evidence of faith. And faith is a precious thing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Verse 36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. So he's showing that God is no respecter of persons. That everywhere that 
Those that fear God and work with righteousness are accepted with him or accepted in his sight in the, by Christ. When he sees our Savior, he sees us. And then we see that we have peace. Come preaching peace. He made peace. Christ made peace. We don't make peace. He is Lord of all. And Sandy saw a man several years ago. He's the man's done died now. He he had some type of cancer. We went with his brother just to meet him, you know, just to visit with him. And the Lord didn't open up a door, you know, it didn't seem like to speak anything, but I remember something he said. He said, I've made my peace with God. That's impossible. And what Peter said, Peter not he didn't he didn't tell these people you need to make your peace with God. He said, "Gee, he's made peace. He's Lord of all. He's Lord over all men." And when you bow to him as, as Lord, that's where the peace. You throw down your weapons of warfare instead of fighting with him. You bow to him. God sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. We preach peace by Jesus Christ. That's the only peace they are. Men have to do something to have peace of conscience. They're getting ready to go out and meet God. How? And they're terrified. Terrified. Verse 37, that word, I say, you know, which was published throughout Judah and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. I think what he's saying, he said, the words I say you know. He's dealing with them where they're at. They are some things they did know. They had to have heard of Jesus Christ. They had to have heard of him. He said, beginning at the baptism of John, when our Lord began his ministry. His fame, when his fame, we don't know how far his fame went. They they begin to hear about this man. Who is this man from Galilee that works miracles? What I want you to see, he's saying that what Jesus Christ did, it wasn't done in a corner somewhere. It wasn't done in secret. It was not done where nobody wouldn't know about it. It was he did those things so they would know about it. The word I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. And look what he said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. That's how we referred to him many times. He, you know, he's, he's Lord. He's the Lord at Jesus Christ. Jesus is his name of humiliation. Well, they must have been a lot of men called Jesus. This one is referred to as Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Nazarene. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Everybody probably knew about Nazareth. And this man is known as Jesus of Nazareth. You know what that means? He identified with sinners. But he said, how God anointed him. Who did he anoint? Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And the evidence of this, he went about doing good. 
What a statement. Well, what did he do? He went about doing good. He, he healed the sick. He, he cured the lepers. He raised the dead. He went about doing good. He was the only one that is good. We've never done anything good. Not purely good, but he did. A man come to him one day and he said, good master. And the Lord said, why he called me good? There's none good but one, that's, that's God. He said either, if you're saying I'm good, then you're saying I'm God. Because there's none good but one, and that's God. And the only way he could be good was to be God. He went about doing good. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. He's saying God was with him. Who was this Jesus? He was the Son of God. God anointed him with the Holy Spirit of God. He was without measure, and he went about doing good. He never turned away anybody that come to him seeking for mercy. Never. He turned away the old Pharisees and called them a bunch of vipers, a bunch of snakes, but not sinners. He anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And they a lot of were oppressed of the devil. Couldn't set themselves free. They set themselves free. He, they were taken captive of Satan at his will. And God was with him. And look in verse 39. And we are witnesses. Now Peter's not alone. We're going to see in a minute, there was at least six men who came with Peter from Joppa. You know who these men are? They're witnesses. They're believers. You know what a witness is? It's somebody who's seen something. Somebody who can testify of something. They're a witness. Could, could Peter testify? Oh, yes, he could. Peter saw him calm the sea. He's, Peter saw him raised the dead. Peter saw him transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. And there was only two other men besides Peter that witnessed that. They witnessed it. They witnessed our Lord risen from the dead. They saw him. Their hands have handled. They witnessed it. They're not speaking second-handed. We are witnesses of all the things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree, were witness to the fact that they crucified an innocent man. And they hung him on a tree out of spite because they hated him. We can witness to this. Witness of all things which he did. Did he do that? Yeah, he did those things. And you know what these people must do? They must believe the witness. They either believe it or they don't. Paul, and Peter's not trying to get them to, to believe it. He's just proclaiming unto them what he has saw, what he has heard, what he has witnessed. But he went about doing good. And you know what they did? They killed him. Took him outside Jerusalem and hung him on a cross. And they thought they were done with him. <laughs> but he ain't finished. 
that's not the end of the story. Verse 40, him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. What's he saying? That Jesus of Nazareth that you've heard about, who went about doing good, that he, he was crucified, but God raised him from the dead, and that's the hope of the gospel. Without the resurrection, we're of all men most miserable. Without his resurrection, there is no resurrection for us except the resurrection of the damned. And he's what he's telling these people. You mean this man that died rose from the dead? Well, why did he rise from the dead? So that you may live. He died, he that died did not stay dead. God received his offering for sin. He satisfied the justice of God, and God raised him. Why did God raise him from the dead? Because he did. He fulfilled all righteousness. Death couldn't hold him. I love this verse in Romans 4.25, who was delivered for our offenses, and he was raised for our justification. He was made unto God unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He died, for, rose again for our justification. God declared us righteous in Christ. He raised us from the dead in Christ. What a gospel. What hope. You imagine like the man getting ready to die and he said, oh, I've made my peace with God. Christ made our peace with God. We're no longer enemies. To think about that, he delivered for our sins and way it was raised for our justification. And he said God showed him openly. Not everybody saw him. But this is not something that he didn't hide this in a corner either. You remember that that Sunday night after he rose from the grave that morning, he appeared. They were all there except for Thomas. But he appeared to them. They saw him. He was with them for 40 days after he rose from the grave, coming in and going out, and they saw him openly. Openly. Verse 41, not to all people. But look at this, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. Like I said, he didn't show himself. He didn't show himself to any unbelievers. He didn't show himself to none of the Pharisees. None of those people saw it. He showed himself, Cheryl, just to the ones he had chosen. He said, you know, they're standing there and they, they, don't, they don't know what to think. You can imagine. what He said, handle me and see. <laughs> Remember, Thomas was, Thomas said, they told Thomas they'd saw him. They witnessed that, Thomas, you're not going to believe this. He's alive. We said, I don't believe it. 
He said, I won't believe it till I see the place in his hands and take my hand and stick it into his side. Well, the next, Saturday, the next Sunday, they're met together, and Thomas happens to be there. You imagine this. Here's, here's, a, here's a principle. What did Thomas miss by not being there? What did he miss? But just in God's grace, the next Sunday, Thomas was there. And he said to Thomas in mercy and grace, he said, you see my hands, Thomas? Put your hand in my side. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. They ain't deceived. It's not some ghost. He's not a figment of their imagination. Peter's telling them, he said, we're witnesses to the fact that I don't care what people have said, and you've probably heard the rumor that we stole his body, that he really didn't rise from the dead. He said, I'm here to tell you, he did rise from the dead. He was raised in, up the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat, we ate and drank with him. Turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, verse 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Amazing the first thing he said, but peace be unto you. But they, were to, but they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, why are you troubled? And why do, why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. You see what it says? It doesn't say flesh and bones and blood or flesh and blood. Where's his blood at? It's on the mercy seat. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and feet. Why did he show them his hands and feet? He has a body. And the body he has is the same body that hung on that tree. It's the same body that was buried in that tomb. And it's the same body that he raised from the dead. And the marks are still there. And they will always be there. For all eternity. In what? In a body. He raised that body. That body is a picture of his church that he raised from the dead. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wonder, they said unto him, they, Still some didn't believe. Have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. We not only saw him raised from dead, we, we ate with him. This Jesus Christ, he still lives. He ate with his disciples. Verse 42 and he commanded us to preach unto the people 
and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. He commanded us, and he did. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. They said, we're here to, we're all here gathered together to hear what God has commanded. He commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. He's raised from the dead, but he's judge. He sits upon the uh, judgment seat of Christ, for all men must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether he be good or bad. He's the judge of the quick and the dead, of the living and the dead. He's the judge of all men. That's who he is. You imagine that's what these people are finding out. He is judge. All judgment's been given into his hands. Look in verse 43. To him give all the prophets witness. All they had heard were the prophets. And all the prophets witnessed to him. They told us that he would be born of a virgin. They told us where he would be born. They, they told us, you know, he would die upon the cross, that he would, who whom would be pierced. He told, they told us these things. They all give witness. They all witness to the fact that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. You mean that's how we're forgiven? Yes. That through his name we can have remission of sins? How can my sins be put away? In him. They've heard a lot, hadn't they? Peter's just told what he has seen and heard. He didn't make up anything. These people have never seen the Lord Jesus Christ. We never did either with human eyes. But we are told. Somebody witnessed to us. Somebody told us that he had made peace. Someone had told us that he was judged. Someone told us that he raised from the dead, that he was delivered for our offenses, and he was raised again for our justification. And all the prophets witnessed all through the Old Testament, that this is him. He's Shiloh. He's of the tribe of Judah. Who's that talking about? It's talking about him. Witnesses. Seeing we are compassed about with what so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. What are those people in Hebrews 11? They're all witnesses. Witnesses to what? Jesus Christ is Lord. And these people have been told. And he told them what God commanded him to tell them. Verse 44, and while Peter yet spake these words. While he's standing there preaching, he's not standing giving an altar call. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Spirit fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. And as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. You notice they've not been baptized yet. 
They were not baptized and then got the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost fell upon them. Why? To confirm what Peter was preaching. How do I know these people believe? God enabled them to believe. While he was preaching, and this is how the Lord works, while he's preaching, he gives forth life. The same spirit that fell on those on the day of Pentecost fell on who? These Gentiles. These people have not been circumcised. You know who the first uncircumcised person that was saved was? Abraham. Abraham was not circumcised when God called him out of the earth of the Chaldees. That was many years later. That's these people. But you imagine, just think about it. Just think about being in that meeting. I can see Peter all of a sudden, because preachers do this. Do people understand what I'm trying to say? Does anybody believe what I'm saying? And at the snap of your fingers, the Spirit of God came. And it says these people begin to speak with languages with tongues, which was an evidence that they had the Holy Spirit. God, what's that saying? God had enabled these people to believe. What a miracle. I'd love to be in a meeting like that. When God give people the ability to believe. While yet spake, the Holy Ghost fell on them, which had heard the word, and they of the circumcision, which believed, were astonished. Who's he talking about? He's talking about those that come with Peter. I can see one look over at his buddy. Did you see what just happened? Do you notice something else? He didn't fall on them. He's already fell on them. These are believers. Isn't it amazing how the Lord brought them there? <laughs> and they're astonished. It said they were astonished. And as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. You mean God saved these people? That's what he's saying. And the rest of this book, that's what it deals with. God taking the gospel to the Gentiles. To Corinth, Galatia, Ephesus, Thessalonica, all those places. He's going to take the gospel to them people who's lived in darkness. All the, He's going to take the gospel plunder Rome. And it began right here. And these people are here because a man invited them. And a man stood in witness to them. For they heard them speak with tongues and they magnified God. How did they do that? They, they spoke languages that they had not been taught. We don't need that anymore because we have all the scriptures, but they did. It was an evidence. It was an evidence you could see and hear. You can't see a person's heart, but you could see the evidence of this. This was a witness to everybody that God had showed them mercy. Why did he give them the Holy Spirit of God? Because he chose them, and he's no respecter of persons. Why upon this place? Why upon Caesarea? 
Why? Through this man Cornelius. You know, sometimes all it takes is a little spark to set a, it's like over there in Hawaii, all those places burned down. It started as a little spark, just a little spark. Then answered Peter, verse 47, Can any man forbid water? that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. If any man going to forbid these people from being baptized, why are they going to be baptized? He said, you go unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. It is an as then, as speaking in tongues was an outward manifestation of God's Spirit, when a man submitted unto baptism, he was saying, I am identifying with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm not my own, I'm bought with a price. We are risen with Christ, the walk in newness of life. That's what it's saying. And these are Gentiles. Never been circumcised and don't need to be. But people are going to come in and try to twist it. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. You know who did the baptism? The baptizing? Not Peter. Those six men who came with him. Because like I said before, if Peter baptized these people, and they probably submit, we don't know how many was there, there's probably a lot. Isn't it amazing? These people, their names are not mentioned, and it's not important. But they were brethren and they were believers and they came with Peter because if Peter baptized two or three of them, they'd all said, I'm a little better than you. Who baptized you? No, that doesn't matter. What matters is our faith in Christ. But he used these men, which I think is amazing. You know, we just, they're just kind of over here in the back corner. They're not in the corner. <laughs> you know what they can do now? They can witness to the fact. It's not just Peter's word. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. These men say, because we're going to find this out in chapter 11. Peter's going to tell those other guys, the rest of the brethren in Jerusalem what just happened. And what do you think they're going to think? I don't believe that. And these six men can testify. We were there. We saw. We witnessed. What did we witness? We witnessed the God moving. We witnessed God showing mercy to the, these Gentiles. And see, this is the rub all the way through. It's still the rub now. You have those who think they are saved by their works. Then you have those who are saved by grace. And there's always that conflict. You remember even when... when uh, Paul or Peter comes back, you know, who encouraged the people? Barnabas did. Barnabas said, you know what? I've heard him. I've heard that man preach. Verse 48, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. They didn't want him to leave. We want you to tell us some more. 
you think, and it's just, he's just a man. An old, rough fisherman. Would you tell us some more about him? Tell us something about what it was on that Mount of Transfiguration. Tell about what he was there by the seashore that day when you'd been fishing all night and he said, have you caught anything? Well, he said, they said, no, we'll cast on the right side of the ship. They don't even know it's him. And somebody said, Peter, it's the Lord. <laughs> and he said, when you come to the shore, he said, have you got anything to eat? And he had had them a supper fixed or breakfast fixed right there on the shore. He could testify those things. He's altogether lovely. What a Lord he is. Well, how mercy and gracious and peaceful.